It's September 30th, 2020. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I have a uh, quick uh, update for a program coming up, but after that, we'll be talking to Rich Wacker, CEO of American Savings Bank, and Omar Sultan from Accelerate HI or Accelerate Hawaii, and we'll talk about the uh, intern program and how it uh, helps to kind of help drive the innovation sector. But first off, I wanted to let you know about something happening on October 8th, and that is uh, actually Hydrogen and Fuel Cell Day. And there's an event coming up, and it's being uh, sponsored by our friends over at uh, the Hawaii Technology Development Corporation. Uh, it's, a, it's a webinar, uh, and it'll be virtual online October 8th uh, from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Uh, Hawaii Standard Time, and I will put the link to the video webinar up on the show notes for later on tonight, and that is in uh, in recognition and celebration of Hydrogen Day coming up on October 8th. And of course, uh, I want to welcome my good friends, uh, Omar Sultan, and, and o- Omar is... Uh, you know, one of the guys that uh, we have frequently on the show, and of course, uh, we have a we have a chair here with his name on it. But uh, since he's calling in, uh, you know, we have to do the virtual thing. And he's over at Sultan Ventures with uh, Accelerate HI, and of course, uh, Rich Wacker, a good friend of ours as well. He's the CEO of American Savings Bank, and uh, we're here to talk about a, a, a novel sort of intern program that uh, is. Uh, basically created to help spark the innovation sector. So I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks, Bert. It's great to be on. Good to talk to you again. Thanks, Bert. Love being on the show. Well, you know, I, 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 miss, uh, I miss seeing you guys uh, in, in person, face-to-face, uh, in the studio. But, you know, during yeah, these I times... Gotta, I got to figure out what I have to do to get a chair with my name <laughs> on it. <laughs> hey, Omar's, always, Omar's always the favorite. Yeah, well, Rich, uh, <laughs> it, it, won't, it won't take much, you know. <laughs> it might be handwritten, but uh, I'll do okay, it. Okay, good. Post-it notes are fine. Okay. Well, so, you know, when I, when I heard about um, this program, I thought it was a pretty cool program, but I only got sort of glimpses of it. And, and maybe, Rich, I mean, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what went into the creation of this, this idea and how did, it, how did it come to reality? Well, you know, it, it started, we started a while back with it kind of in the March-April time frame as the crisis really hit. And we started thinking about what are different ways we can get people back to work because it just it, it looked like it was going to be ugly. We saw the, the kind of carnage and the hospitality sector and you know we we know we're we're too dependent on the hospitality sector uh as a as a state and uh we felt like it was going to be a while before things got turned around so with the business roundtable and the chamber and some others we started brainstorming ideas to put a lot of people back to work if we could and uh this was this and a couple of other ideas were ones that we worked through um, some some groups of volunteers who were brain, brainstorming with us and then pr- making proposals to the, the navigator, Alan Oshima, to the House committees and the Senate. Uh, Representative Sylvia Luke was, was really key in trying to get it included in the in the House funding, and then Donovan Dela Cruz and and Glenn Wakai on the Senate side were were really key on helping to make sure that we had 
joint legislative support for this, and it made it through uh, sort of the, the legislature's proposal on how the, the CARES money would be used. And then uh, DBED picked it up, uh, Mike McCartney's team and Glenn Yamamoto Lau over there really uh, uh, were great in helping us uh, move it through. Right. So, um, and, and Gwen is part of uh, DBED, and, and uh, she, right. she runs uh, the Hawaii uh, Green Infrastructure, uh, I guess, right. uh, agency. Uh, but she, yeah, she really got involved with uh, pulling, pulling this together. And I sort of heard just uh, through, through, you know, hallway conversations uh, how it started to evolve. And, of course, you know, like I said, Omar has been part of the uh, broadband hui from um, uh, early on, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. <laughs> so, Omar, what were you, what were you doing? Uh, you know, uh, in terms of the architecting this this particular program. Well, Omar's going to be modest. So, Bert, let me let me just take one one more thing. So, so we had two parts of the program, and Omar, as you know, is a huge champion of the innovation economy side, and so. We basically knew we wanted to try to support uh, that side. There's also the uh, a side with Kupu on the conservation side with John Leong and his team. But Omar really was the brains behind coming up with how we could structure something to, to really support the innovation sector. So, uh, Omar, you take it from there. Oh, that was a nice little bit of a, a lead-in. I wish somebody would, would <laughs> introduce me like that. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate the, <laughs> the, the kind words and the um, yeah. So as Rich said, you know this this is going back to when COVID first hit. Um, one of the things that Rich is a huge champion of, among many other many things, right, is that um, how can we seize any sort of um, opportunity, right? How can we create opportunities like this? And so really, the charge was. Can we do two things at the same time, essentially? Can short-term we get people back into jobs uh, and earn living wages, right? And then looking at it sort of long-term, like uh, in terms of the vision, how can we set them up for long-term success, right, and provide them with perhaps better job opportunities than they had uh, before? Um, so really the whole program is about diverse, helping to diversify the economy. And as, as Rich said, it's, it's one program that's run under DBET. It has two tracks. There's a conservation track, which is under Kupu Hawaii, mm-hmm. and then there's an innovation emerging industries track, which is under uh, EDA, mm-hmm. Economic Development Alliance of Hawaii. Um, and so, so can, we, can we use this funding from the CARES money mm-hmm. to help people get upskilled, reskilled, and to get exposure to, um, to some of these emerging sectors. No, that's great. So, you know, Omar, in terms of upskilling, how does, a, how does that happen? Does that happen as, the in, as an intern, or is, does that happen, you know, uh, before becoming an intern? Um, great question. So we're not referring to them as interns. We're referring to them as parti- participants. Okay. But it is an internship program in the sense that it's a workforce development and training program. So how they how they get exposure to getting reskilled and upskilled or cross-skilled is that there are multiple uh, host companies that are being um, selected, right? And at these host companies, they're providing the space and, and uh, opportunity for these participants to get that training, to get that on-job on-the-job learning, to get exposed to knowledge-based work opportunities, to really kind of learn about uh, the jobs of tomorrow as opposed to the jobs of yesterday. No, that's that's uh, that sounds great. Now, Rich, you were saying that uh, this was an idea that that uh, came up 
uh, probably back in the April time frame. And, and as you describe the support that you got uh, from, from uh, the legislature, uh, what ultimately took place between then and now uh, to, to actually get it, get it launched? Uh, a, a lot of, uh, of back and forth to try to make sure it, it, it could be structured in a way that met the requirements of the CARES Act uh, and that fit with other things that were going on in the, in the various kinds of support that the government, the state's trying to provide. So, uh, you know, the, the, this isn't a get-rich um, scheme, right? Mm-hmm. So the uh, the the compensation for for the participants is about what they would get on unemployment. Um, so it's really a, it's not something where they're gonna they're gonna uh, make a lot, but they're gonna have the opportunity to to learn skills and to position themselves for jobs in the new economy, right? And so they were they were working through the logistics of that, the the practical aspects of how to. How to make sure uh, we met all the all the requirements of the uh, of the federal rules related to the use of the money, and and it was a, a lot of good teamwork um, to to pull that together. Yeah, I do want to I do want to talk a little bit about the some of the specificity of the CARES funding, uh, but want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Rich Wacker and Omar Sultan about innovation and, and the jobs and, of course, getting uh, participants into uh, upskilling opportunities. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Rich Wacker, CEO of American Savings Bank, and Omar Selton from Accelerate Hawaii, and we're talking about uh, getting folks upskilled and into the innovation economy. And right before the break, we were talking a little bit about these uh, this CARES uh, funding, and you know, I think a lot of people are hearing about CARES funding, and this is the package that the federal government made available. What some of the details, Rich, that you were alluding to, you know, really, I guess, takes a lot of uh, attention because one of the things that I know of is that the fact the fact is that this money has to get spent by the end of the year. So uh, the, the program has to be able to sufficiently expend the money. But then at the same time, you have these uh, safeguards like you were describing to make sure that it's just, you know, it's used properly. So. I guess my right. question is, what did what did you folks have to do to um, design the program so that the funding would be used appropriately? How how did you determine what was appropriate use? Yeah, well, I think that's you know we knew workforce development would fit. We knew things related to response to the crisis would fit, and then we worked closely with DBED and the team there, and they had they have the resources of of the attorney general's office to help make sure that uh that the, we were we were navigating all those rules and it, it wouldn't have come together without their their help. Oh, okay, In, that's that's uh, really interesting. So uh Omar on 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 your side uh you know when you described uh, uh Ida's role and and Kupu's role and you said there's kind of like two tracks, one the cons- conservation track and the more the innovation economy track. You know, in terms of, uh, let's say, some of the innovation companies, I mean, could you perhaps maybe describe, like, some of the 
types of companies that would be, you know, bringing in some of the folks? Absolutely. Um, for the for both tracks, really, as, as Rich alluded to, we wanted to look at ways that we can diversify the economy, right? So these are these are companies that are in non-tourism, non-hospitality, non-service industry sectors, uh, and there's no no slight against those those sectors at all. But we wanted to see if there are ways that we could help diversify uh, Hawaii's economy, and so you looked at you looked at like local food production. STEM focus areas, healthcare, aerospace, of course, you know, all the things that fall under the conservation umbrella, uh, including like sustainable agriculture um, and, and other things there as well. So really the host companies will be, are, are being selected, you know, this is happening in real time, mm -hmm. are being selected from those industries uh, so that we can help you know, with, with this uh, opportunity for displaced workers and for the individuals that are significantly affected by the uh, COVID, COVID pandemic. So in terms of the host companies, could you, can you share examples of who some of the host companies might be on the innovation sector side? Um, yes. Uh, so we're looking, you mean like actual specific names? I won't be able to share the names just yet because like I said, they're still, they're still being vetted. Um, okay. But when you start thinking about the ones that, you know, that are in the innovation sector that can provide these types of opportunities, um, those are probably the ones that you're going to see being in the program. Omar, the how, program many is, companies, looking to how many fill, companies like, have you, right? Yeah, the, the program is looking to fill 650 uh, positions, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about 650 positions for people, um, you know, we're looking at probably 175 different companies, 200 different companies. That's why it's a little bit difficult to select just one or two. I see. And, and uh, you know, I guess as an example, you said, you know, like vetting the, the companies. How would you how would you set up the criteria upon which they could uh, get selected? I mean, so you don't you don't have to get into the, the specific names. But what are what are some of the criteria that uh, yeah, gets you to, you know, actually check them forward, off? Right. So you've got the, you got two buckets. Uh, you got the technical requirements that are coming from the state and the CARES Act funding, right? Those have very specific guidelines as to what they can be used for. And we touched upon those a little bit. And then you have the spirit and sentiment of the, the actual uh, program and the two tracks, right? So can these companies provide the space to, uh, to these individuals so that they can learn, right? So they can, they can get this on-the-job training. Um, that's definitely a big factor that we're taking into consideration. No, I see. So in terms of talking to those companies that could be potential recipients uh, of these participants, uh, what, are you, what are you looking for? When they, when they say they can bring them in and they can upskill them, what, what exactly would you be looking for from those companies? We're looking for um, opportunities that will help the, the individuals have uh, better career pathways, right? Mm -hmm. While this program... You know, the funding for CARES, as we all know, like it only has a runway until the end of the year. Um, but so in this in this short time frame that's available, can we can we cap capitalize on it in the sense of provide the best possible experience for these individuals? And so they're set up for success moving forward beyond January. The program is set up to be sort of a platform that can grow. It's not meant to be just for the next few months. And so we were very... Um, Sort of visionary and strategic in that sense. There's no reason why the program cannot continue to grow as more funding becomes available. 
I see. So, um, Rich, you know, when when you start to look at the uh, t- the time frame beyond 2020 and entering into 2021, uh, you know, as Omar sort of describes, how do you envision it scaling uh, from from this year into next? Yeah, we we are hopeful that with the success that we believe we're going to have from now, that it will be it will be compelling. There's certainly going to be uh, too many people out of work. There's certainly going to be a lag in how it, how fast the uh, the hospitality industry recovers and and is able to put people back to work. And even will it get it back to the level of uh, of pre-COVID employment? You know it. Probably not. So, so we need to take care of, of, you know, the people in our community who have the energy and the will to to get at creating new sectors. And so we're hopeful that we're we're going to be able to uh, find additional sources to continue this as we go. Mm-hmm. Now, Omar, you know, since uh, you've uh, you've been a long time champion for the innovation economy and and uh, you know helping to accelerate companies. When you start to look at the innovation sector and the opportunity to to place, you know, these participants and and actually having the vision of of growing the sector, uh, what do you see? What do you see in terms of opportunities for that kind of growth? I mean, where where does Hawaii go from where it has been to something new? I mean, is that something that you folks are able to help kind of architect? We're hoping to be able to help um, architect that, um, provide sort of the base platform for that, and then as well as, you know, help with the conversation surrounding that. So it's not like a – I mean, it's not something that any one person or one entity can decide. We as a community have to look at what we want, you know, what I'll call Hawaii 2.0 and others have called as well, Mm -hmm. what we want that to look like, right? Do we want it where it's the same sort of reliance on any one particular sector or do we want it to be much more diversified and so that we can be much more self-sufficient, sustainable, but also prosperous, right? Right, right. As, as, you, uh, as you see, you know, this, this uh, pathway kind of evolving, uh, do you have a sense as to what opportunities might be available to, to kind of grow into Hawaii 2.0? Rich, well, I mean, do you— I, Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know— We've we've often talked about the areas of excellence that where the university is very strong mm-hmm. in, in its research and technical skills and where, uh, you know, it, we have good reason because of our our environment and location to be excellent at it. And so those are things like ocean studies and um, and you can go down the list the the renewable energy and where where Hawaii really does have innate expertise and a, and a reason to be good at it. There's other things that have become even more relevant with uh, with COVID, and so you know, distance learning is now a core part of not only companies but of the education system. And we've got a core of digital media uh, content creation here that that there's no reason we can't grow in that space and and be excellent at, at digital content production and supporting. Uh, distance learning because uh, we think that's going to be a growth sector. So, so we just have to kind of go down the list and 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 hammer through where we have some capabilities today that can be fostered and helped, and where we have good reason to be competitive. And and I think there's 
There's a lot of them. There's great people and entrepreneurs operating in this space today, and we've got to we've got to listen to the voices and create the environment for them to succeed. No, that's great, and I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the uh, you know sort of the the pipeline for the companies. Uh, but we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Rich Wacker and Omar Sultan about innovation jobs and the new economy and Hawaii 2.0. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Rich Wacker, CEO of American Savings Bank, and Omar Selton from Accelerate Hawaii, and we're talking about uh, helping to get the the workforce into some of the new job opportunities that might uh, help to evolve Hawaii into Hawaii 2.0. And and of course, right before the break, um, you know, I kind of want to toss this one to Omar and. And Omar, you you mentioned earlier that you know the the the, the count for companies uh, to actually you know help to move let's say six hundred plus people through a a, a process you know is like uh, you got two hundred companies are they are they uh, knocking your door down or are you having to recruit them I mean what's the what's the challenge you're facing with with actually signing up those two hundred uh, companies. Yeah, I think the exciting part is that there is a lot more. Um, they're, they're knocking down our door, right? The community is responding as a whole, which is amazing. Uh, we have companies that are, are literally going out of their way to try to uh, find uh, opportunities to support the program, right? They're, they're very excited to host participants at their at their workplace, at their um, you know within their businesses, whether it's remote or on site. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of demand on the company side. Equally, there's a lot of there's enormous demand, as you can imagine, on the participant side. There are lots of individuals that have been affected by the pandemic, and so one of the things that Ida in particular is really looking uh, for towards is how can we make sure that we're able to serve all those participants that are not uh, placed within the program for whatever reason. Right, including budget limitations. Mm-hmm. So, how can we provide them with the resources, the support networks, uh, you know, the trainings there as well? And one of the things that's happening, and this is available for anyone, is that like Microsoft has partnered with OEDB to provide Microsoft trainings to anyone from how to build your resume to how to build your LinkedIn profile and so much more. Um, and HCC, OEDB you know, is through their the... Coursera partnership also steps up to provide uh, free courses through the end of the year and. I know that Kupu is working on similar things as well, and these are opportunities that are available to either track. Right? It's not. This isn't exclusive by any means for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for for anyone. And Rich, you were you were saying OEDB stands yeah, for? Yeah, I, I, OEDB is the Oahu Economic Development Board, and the, the Economic Development Alliance of Hawaii is what we've been calling EDA, and we can't underestimate the role. The, that these guys have played um, in in pulling this together, and they were the perfect. The, the Economic Development Alliance of Hawaii is the the uh, a grouping of the economic development boards from each of the counties, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. we've got coverage across the state. They know the companies 
and that are in the sectors that are related to the, uh, the innovation economy and or the future growth sectors. So we're getting the right companies, the right organizations to help uh, put this together, and we're getting good coverage across the state. And so we're, we're hugely appreciative to Jeannie Skog and, and the rest of the Economic Development Alliance and Economic Development Board leadership. No, that's great. That's great to hear. And and Omar, so you're you're kind of alluding to the you know the the people that are going to be participants in this program, and they're also knocking down your door. Can you sort of describe how someone would, uh, let's say, make themselves available and 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 uh, participate in this program? Yeah, um, on on both of the tracks, right? If you go to uh, Ida, so it's edahawaii.org. You go to the, the website. You can sign up for as a host company or as a participant, so you, you can express interest in that fashion. Similarly, if you go to Kupu Hawaii, K U P U Hawaii dot org, uh, they have a lot. They have information there where participants and host companies can sign up to be part of that track. And and in terms of qualifying those participants, do they have to come with some level of expertise, or you know what are what are the expectations of the participants? Uh, they just have a, you know, I, I think the only requirement per se, you know, air quotes there, is that they're, you know, they've been negatively impacted by COVID, right? So they've had financial impact, they're displaced workers, they're furloughed, et cetera. Um, so they have experience or they don't have experience. It's, it's not, it, that's not one of the, the requirements, right? This is a training program. This is a workforce development program. So we're very cognizant of the fact that not everyone is going to have, you know, come with a, a ready-made resume and the skill sets that are associated with any of the jobs that might be available to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's great. So, uh, you know, Rich, I mean, you were talking also about the, you know, the uh, evolution of this program and, and uh, you know, going into 2021. And uh, how would you measure some success? And what are you, what are you going to be tracking that, kind of indicates that this is a, a program to continue and, and look at perhaps uh, future funding as well as uh, you know scaling it uh, for a lot more people. Yeah, I think ultimately what we hope is that uh, people land jobs, right? I mean, that's the, that's the goal to the extent that uh, people are getting exposure to companies with real needs. And as the economy picks up again, they may find that the, the people that they've helped give training experience to are just perfect to help them move forward. And so, and even if they don't, that they, at the companies where they're, they're getting the experience this fall, uh, they're picking up skills that are going to help position them relative to the, to the rest of the crowd uh, as uh, prime candidates to get hired. I mean, that's getting people back to work and, and getting them skills that will help them transition to different sectors is what this is all about. Now, Omar, you know, since uh, you've been uh, heavily involved, like I said, in, in the acceleration uh, uh, scene here, uh, are you helping to get some of the companies? I guess this is going to be a quick question, <laughs> a quick answer, because we only got 30 seconds. Are you going to be uh, helping some mentor some of the companies to uh, accelerate so they're ready to take on more? Yes, definitely. Good. That sounds good. Quick answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give me the URLs again. Kupu Hawaii, K U P U Hawaii dot org, and Ida Hawaii, E D A Hawaii dot org. 
Very good. I'll put that up on our show notes. Rich Wacker, CEO of American Savings Bank, and Omar Sultan from Accelerate Hawaii. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thanks, Bert. Thanks, Bert. Appreciate the, the conversation. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk about new wireless auction of 3.5 gigahertz, previously known as the Citizen Broadband Radio System. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com or you can also find me on Twitter at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay safe, stay awesome, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Uh-huh.